0: Now, this is the great city, and it was a city that was given over to paganism. Religion was the big thing that took place in Pergamum. There was also the greatest library that the pagan world ever had. It was a library of over 200,000 volumes that were the new type of writing material they had used papyrus up to that time, but here they used parchment, and parchment gets its name from Pergamum. And this great library was the library that Mark Antony gave to his girlfriend Cleopatra, and she lugged it off to Alexandria in Egypt, and that library is considered the greatest library the world has ever seen. Well, it actually came from Pergamum. And if you are ever in Istanbul and go into Hagia Sophia, you'll see there a great alabaster vase. I guess you'd call it a vase because it's such a thing of beauty. It's taller than I am. I stood by the side of it. And it came from Pergamum. This city, of course, was certainly rifled and denuded by the enemy when they finally took the city and destroyed it but it was Lysimachus that brought it to its heyday. And it was a city that equaled both Smyrna and Ephesus. We're told here that it's to the angel and the messenger of the church. And these things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. This sharp sword with two edges is the Word of God. Now, the Word of God is the answer to man's need and man's sin. And here it was false religion. In fact, this city emphasized religion, and it had some of the greatest temples that were there. The only way that this city could be reached would be with the Word of God. Now he says in verse 13, "...I know thy works, and where thou dwellest." even where Satan's seat is. And thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith, even in those days an Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. The Lord here, if you'll notice, commends this church. And there are here several things that he commends it for. He takes note of their circumstances. And he does that, I think, of many of us today. Sometimes you and I are inclined to condemn someone who happens to be in circumstances that if you and I were in the same circumstances, we might act even worse than they are acting. Our Lord takes note of that. Now, it's even where Satan's throne is. That reveals that religion was big business and that Satan had his headquarters there in Pergamum. This ought to answer the question of those who think Satan is in hell. He never has been to begin with. Hell hasn't opened up to do business yet. We don't get to that. We get to the end, the book of Revelation. And he's not there. He goes up and down this world seeking whom he may devour. But he does have headquarters. And at that time, it was in Pergamum. And we'll see why his headquarters would normally be that. Now, I think since then, he's moved headquarters around from different places. I used to get the impression he'd moved his headquarters to Los Angeles. And I'm not sure but what that could be true, because here's another great religious center of every kind of cult and ism schism, that is possible. But here in this city, they had all of this. And let me mention what I believe he means by the fact that Satan's seat or Satan's throne was there in Pergamos. The reason for that is because of these heathen temples there, and they're all quite interesting, by the way. The temple of Athena there was very imposing. As you enter the gate of the city, it is the first temple right to your left as you enter. And then right above it was this great library that was there. Then you will find that there was the great temple to Caesar Augustus and the great temple to Hadrian. And that temple of Hadrian covers quite a bit of territory up there. Now, there are other things that are quite interesting. There is that great altar down there of Zeus, and there was an idol on it, and apparently it was just outside the gates, by the way, and right near where the palace of the king was. It was a very imposing spot, and there are those that believe that was the throne of Satan. Well, I think it enters into it, but you have a combination here of all of these. And I think there are two others that are specially imposing. There was the Temple of Dionysius. Now, I crawled down the side of that mountain to get pictures of the ruins of the Temple of Dionysius, which is right by the ruins of the theater there. And some have asked me why I did that. Well, Dionysius was the same as Bacchus, the god of wine. And you know that that was the goat god. You remember, he had horns, he had the upper part of a man, but the lower part was a goat, and he had cloven feet and a tail. Now, the modern idea of Satan is that, but you don't get that from the Bible. The idea of Satan today is that he has horns He has cloven feet, and he has a forked tail. Where does that come from? It comes from the temple of Dionysus. It comes from the god Bacchus, the god of wine, the god of alcohol. Today in this country, there are those that raise the question whether we should have a day of humiliation or not. And we ought to be proud we are Americans and all of that. My friend, it wouldn't hurt us to humble ourselves today Do you know how we got this country that we live in? We got it from the Indians. And I guess they got it from somebody in the same method, only the way we got it was not by bullets, but by liquor, by alcohol. That's the way Hawaii was taken away from the Hawaiians, was by giving them liquor. Alcohol has taken more territory than anything else. This is a picture of Satan, let me tell you, and there's no picture quite like him. Then the other was the god Esculapius, and down from this great promontory was the greatest hospital of the ancient world. It was the Mayo brothers of that day. It was, first of all, a temple to Esculapius, And if you're looking at the Greek Aesculapius, it's a man. But when you bring in the Anatolian or the Oriental, it's a serpent. And there in Pergamum, it's a serpent. I have pictures I've taken of that great marble. Well, it's just an obelisk there now, but it apparently was a pillar in a temple. And the temple of Aesculapius. it's an unusual temple. It's round. They used every means that were imaginable there of healing. They use psychology, they use medicine, they use about everything you could think of. They had a the big long tunnel when you went in. And up above it looks like air holes for ventilation, but they're not. As you went down the way, sexy voices would come down through those saying to you, You're going to get well, you're going to feel better, you're going to be healed. Does that sound like anything that's modern today? And you went on down. They gave you hot baths. There were massages that were used. They had a little theater there that they gave players of healing. My, I tell you, they had it all. They had a library with books about healing. And then, as a last resort, if they couldn't heal you, they put you down in that temple at night. And then they turn loose during the night, non-poisonous snakes, and they crawl over you. That's known as the shock treatment today. And my friend, if that didn't heal you, it'd drive you crazy. That's for sure. And they had a back door where they took the dead out. They didn't mention the ones they didn't heal. They mentioned the one they did. Caesar Augustus loved to come there. You know why? He wasn't exactly sick. He was an alcoholic. They just dried him out there every year when he would come over. This was a great place, and for 700 years it was a hospital that they came to from all over the world. And may I say to you, healing was satanic in those days. Now, there were good men that used medicine there. No question about that. But basically, it was satanic. Here was where Satan's throne was, and that's important to see. Now he says, "...you have those that hold fast my name." Well, this is the period when many in the church defended the deity of Christ and the name of Christ. It was during this period that great giants were produced. There was the Arian heresy that denied the deity of Christ and Athanasius from North Africa, how he defended the deity of Christ. And then at the Council of Nicaea, where Athanasius spoke, it condemned Arianism in about 325 A.D. And then there was Augustine. He answered the Pelagian heresy, which denied original sin and the total corruption of human nature and also irresistible grace, so that great men stood for the great doctrines of the Christian faith. And then he says, "...thou hast not denied my faith." And the church during this period did not deny it. Now, Antipas, an unknown martyr, is mentioned here. That he says, I know thy works where thou dwellest, even where Satan's throne is. Thou holdest fast my name, hast not denied my faith, even in those days where Antipas was my faithful martyr. Now, that doesn't mean that he was the only one. He apparently was the first one and that led off with a great company of them. Then he says, "'But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, to commit fornication.'" He condemns two things here, the doctrine of Balaam and the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. And it was a very dark time in the history of these people. The doctrine of Balaam is different than the era of Balaam, which we saw in Jude, which actually revealed that Balaam thought he could curse Israel because they were sinners. And then the way of Balaam in Second Peter, and that was covetousness. But here what we have is that Balaam taught Balak to have the Moabite women to go in among the children of Israel. And there was this period of intermarriage and the introduction of idolatry. You see, the world came into the church during this period. Now, he says here, "...thou hast those that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate." The church in Ephesus hated it, but here... There was some holding that doctrine. And just what it was, apparently, it was a return to religious rituals by a clergy instead of the fact that there is the priesthood of all believers. And Christ says he hates this. You see, Christ hates as well as loves. And we'd better be careful that we're not indulging in the thing that he hates. Get us in trouble.